0: It's preaching, we beg you through Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. One day when our family was <clears throat> in Miami, living in Miami, I was in I was in high school. The whole family was there uh, assembled for supper, and I had mentioned to my father that a, a piece of mail would come in and I pulled did it. And um, the mail announced that our family had won a Hawaiian vacation. A whole family, a whole family, a Hawaiian vacation. Well, You know, Dad always loved to travel. Mom uh, always loved to travel, and I was interested in Hawaii. So, wow, we were just very excited at that. <laughs> and uh, Dad said, "You know, left it up to me to make some phone calls and what's involved, etc." But we were elated. We began to say, "Well, we're going to see one. Huh? volcanoes and volcanoes, out. Uh, but I couldn't find out after calling. Yeah, yeah, we won a vacation, all right. But it was basically three days in a three-star hotel. And I don't know how you're going to get there, guys. But the food that I need as well, transportation, and that's your vacation. I thought, my well, you know, dad was an accountant. He looked at that and says, "You know, we didn't win a thing. Uh, that was a ruse and a bait switch." And I don't know what that company planned. You know, that happens at number in your life, and you didn't think that. All, all of these, all of these very attractive offers, they're just a bunch of ruses. It's a <laughs> big switch. People tell you all these glorious things get you to go to church take your money. You know the rest of the story. We're so jaded. How many, how many sweepstakes have everyone just this month? I, I know, I know, I've won five sweepstakes. And every one of them was a delete trash in my email. And so when we see see a parable like this, we can scarcely believe that this could be true and that we would be the The beneficiaries beneficiaries. not only of, you know, a a free meal or so, but, but warmly invited to a momentous occasion in a majestic setting with the most benevolent, and rich and honorable king as he has an intention to honor this occasion of the marriage of his son. Now that, my friends, is more stupendous than anybody knocking at your door and saying, guess what, a big old envelope, you know, three sticks, one of the cameras were clicking. That's child's play. People win. Some contests and sweepstakes. But we ought to consider ourselves and our hearts as not jaded when we see this kind of invitation and this kind of announcement to yourself individually and to all nations the glory of the coming kingdom and your pardon. This is not a loose. and it is free. And the Lord sincerely makes an offer to you to attend this wonderful wedding feast. What are we learning here? What do we take home as a teaching? Let me lay out for you that the teaching here is, is that God calls many men and women, God calls many, many men and women in the world, both Jews and Gentiles, to enjoy Yes, to enjoy his kingdom with his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. But, but here he, we learn also that in that adaptation we must consider that many are called to the kingdom of heaven, but few are chosen, few really will abide. And those who do abide, they do so because they are provided the right attire, holy garments for such an occasion. Holy, holy attire. Compatible with the glory of that kingdom, the glory of the kingdom, the glory of His Son. That's the teaching. Many are call, You are chosen. Let me lay this out again with some support from from Sermon Outline Points. The first thing you see is the kingdom of, of heaven uh, is compared to a splendid uh, and a gracious wedding feast. A lot of people have many morose ideas about what religion is. That is not the religion of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is portrayed for us here is something altogether sumptuous and glorious and joyful. The Kingdom of Heaven is is like a splendid and gracious wedding feast, and the wedding feast is hosted by a king. We don't have kings. We don't have kings in America. We don't some nations, a few nations still have kings. And here in the Western world we we've forgotten what the splendor of a king looks like. We're a little bit suspicious, are we not, as Americans of kings? Um, but kings were to be as fathers and as providers. And Calvin always said that the king provides some kind of of a glory still reminiscent of heaven, of, of true wealth, of true, true splendor. The wedding feast here is then hosted by a king, and I think that, uh, in this parable that would be representative, representative of God, the Father. Here is a king who has majesty and beauty. He's joyful and, and expectant to celebrate his son. Uh, he warmly seeks friends this king is friendly and he's reaching out he can be approached he's inviting you into his palace and there's feasting one of the most lovable things about the the Jewish religion of old is that these these Jews were commanded they were commanded to feast boy now you know what I don't I don't I don't think that commandment has been lifted. I, take, I still think we have to set aside de- days where we can just rejoice. This is a rare opportunity for the king's people. This is a delightful opportunity for God's people. And so the wedding feast is hosted by this king. And in this feast, the king would honor his son, his own son, the Lord Jesus. It, by the way, it's very similar to the parable here of the wicked tenants who, lastly, when he sent his son into the vineyard, uh, the, the, the tenant holder said, No, this was the heir, let's dispose of him. This is the son. All right, that's the same son pictured here. As Jesus is explaining to us how, how it can be with, in such a, such a, a proposal. Such an offer, such a free offer in this gospel of a kingdom, of honor, of reception of God, of love, of sonship. How how is it that the Jews will fail? That's what this parable is about. He's already spoken to it in the parable public attendance, already preached. But we see here that the son, the son is to receive the honor in the presence of all the people and of the king himself. That's not a minor point. I know uh, th- uh, parables are not to be uh, thresholds of an entire theology. You don't, you don't start the theological treatises from a parable. No, you use theological treatises to understand and interpret a parable. But nevertheless, we have to say that this, this one concept here, lightly brushed upon, is enough to sink every supposed Jehovah's Witness. The whole religion can be trashed because it greatly dishonors the Father... In his proposal to honor the Son in his presence. God. God, the Father, setting aside, as it were, if it would be possible to set aside an interest that his Son may have all the interest. That's Christianity. That's the faith of the Bible. The Son is to receive the honor in the presence of the King, not a small one. The Kingdom of Heaven is like this wedding feast, and the King has made everything ready for this feast. He is, just the power Parable details some of these things. Oxen and fatted calves. Uh, this is expensive livestock. I don't know if you've ever priced a a, a side of beef. Uh, look, I'm saying this this king has this king has resources and this king has money, but he has love and he wants to celebrate. And all this in an oriental fashion, which you know, sometimes we get a, a glimpse of that on special events. Marriages are good for this event. Uh, but there are other events where uh, a public gala is, is held, and, uh, and uh, people make a, a great show uh, of their interest and some of their wealth because they want to uh, show their love and support of their friends. The Oriental tradition uh, of hospitality... It is magnanimous. And In the most amazing thing here is that appears to be, and he's going out this this message, the free offer, the freeness. There, there seems to be no stipulation, no, 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 other, other, no other contingency, no other condition. The feast is altogether free to the guests. Uh, that's, where, that's where we praise, right? That's where we bundle. Yeah. <laughs> Another a white yeah Hawaii. white think I'm me once fool me once okay fool me twice yeah. shame on me no this is what this is what the Bible this is what God is saying altogether, altogether. free no stipulation and, and this is an authoritative command coming from, from, from a person consummate authority God himself is. represented here as the king it's an authoritative command he goes out uh, at the hand of his servants and the message is simple, everyone can understand that. Come to the wedding feast. How simple? Yeah. Well, does that need, need much explanation? Do I have to go to seminary to, to, to execute that text? Come to, the, come to the wedding feast. Can we not say that to our friends and neighbors? Can, can we not hear that? So, is this not a gospel? It's very simple. It? Come to the wedding feast. The feast is given in the name of the Lord Jesus. But it is an authoritative command. And we see here that the gospel is a, a most sincere and warm invitation of grace where the Lord is willing and able to give you that which your heart desires in his presence. And yet also it is a command. That the gospel is not a command. There's nothing of a command in the gospel, but the, the gospel is always hinged. As the door is hinged to the wall uh, for, for its opening, the gospel is always hinged on the wall. And the wall is a command. And so his servants are not only, not only invited to partake of this kingdom in the gospel, but they are commanded Commanded to enjoy this feast, to come to this feast in God's wall. And so a rejection of God in Christ at the invitation to come
1: and enjoy this wedding feast.
0: A rejection of that is not merely a rejection of the gospel, which is a capital crime. But it's also a rejection of the wall. In other words, it's a rejection of the whole body. Uh, such, an, such a simple command, such a warm and inviting command. And you, if you do not come, you might as well just bury your Bible and throw it into Trinity Bay. Let it float out to the ocean via Galveston. Are you through with God then? Throw away your Bible because it's all law and gospel. It's all gospel and law. And that's what we proclaim and that's what Christ proclaims. But you see here, the intent of this invitation is that God would honor His Son by graciously inviting Him to enter His kingdom. All is provided. The similitude here is of oxen and of of fatted calves, of other... You can imagine what the table spread might be. But theologically, it's not a stretch to see, that to enjoy the Son and enjoy the, uh, the Father you would need, first of all, Righteousness, but that's provided for you, free, and also faith, but that's also the gift of God. God. It's, it's free. What about repentance? God, God grants God. repentance to the nations, remission of sins, forgiveness, free. It's all proclaimed in the gospel, absolutely free. Knowledge of the greatness of the King, justification. Peace with God, reconciliation, the imputation of a perfect righteousness forever, adoption as sons in His palace, sanctification, be holy. It's all free, and it's all here, and it's all prepared. The gospel is turnkey, and the secret, of course, is to receive the Son. First Corinthians one verse. Thirty and thirty-one. Because of Him, because of God, this King. Because of this King, says First Corinthians one verse thirty. Because of this King, who are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God. That's free wisdom, righteousness. That's because of Christ, and that's free sanctification, free redemption. That's a, complete, that's a complete package. Israel got redeemed out of, out of Egypt. We're out of the hands of Pharaoh. Verse 31, so that it is written, But the one who boasts, who boasts in the Lord, that is Christianity. That is the religion of Jehovah, God. That is the religion of the Lord Jesus. God provides all men. And what do you provide? You provide your attendance. You provide your simple heart. You provide an opportunity for God to c- clean you and to dress you and to give you a new heart. You might walk in ways that please Him. The kingdom of heaven is like a, a splendid, and this is a gracious, a most gracious wedding feast. Second point, there's of the summer, many people. Many people are invited to God's gracious wedding feast. The Jewish First invited, the king sent his servants, and these are the uh, prophets and they would later be the apostles. and, and they, were, they went out. they did their work, they called those who had been invited to the wedding feast. not a few servants, not a few. The Bible has 66 how many authors um, that's 66 books you got know time but the number of authors I think it's what, 39 38. at this first invitation. That is to say, as published in the Bible, the Gospel, featuring the Son in all of, his, all of the pages of the Old Testament, whatever righteousness you see there, that's Christ's righteousness. Whatever law you see there, that's the beauty of the moral law, the very nature of God that's displayed in His holy law. All of that is there prepared for the Jew. But at first, none come. None would come at this invitation to the Jews. The king again sent other servants. God is a a persevering king. He forbears with his people. He's most patient with us. And so he sends other servants despite their dismissal of his servants. He says, look, see, you don't understand. Have I I not made myself clear? All is ready. Have I not? It's it's all right Nothing. No, you don't. know. You don't need to bring a bottle of wine. No, save your bread for. Yeah, save your bread for breakfast. No, no dessert. No, it's all here. I prepared all. But these servants were ignored, and they uh, they ignored this feast, and they ignored this feast for good things. They didn't say, "Well." I, I'm not going to go to this feast because I'm going to go to the brothel. I planned, I planned that night to get drunk. No, I'm going to gamble my, my life away then. You know? I need to get together with my friends and raise all kinds of pain. No. These people were sanctified outwardly in the clothes. They had a kind of a washing by God and by His Word, even by His Spirit. They would not. They were not all debased, wicked, fanged devils. But they excused themselves on good terms. And if you will see the drift here, all of these things that they did are legal. They're not to be condemned. The law affirms everyone that they should farm. You go to your farm. You can't go to your farm. Nothing sinful about being farming. What about business? God doesn't condemn anybody working hard, making money, investing. Perfectly nothing wrong with tending to your business. But the wrongness of these decisions is by contrast to the splendor of who calls you in a commandment that is holy and good and loving and who needs something far, far better for you. In fact, brothers and sisters, the problem with our lives is that we keep making decisions that are sub-optimal. We don't understand what God has for us. And so we drag our feet into this sanctuary. Well, yeah, I'm, here, I'm, I'm an officer. I have to be here. Not expecting to get anything. Remotely resembling a feast in the Lord's, from the Lord's hands. But they went off to tend their farms and their business and it was a, a not a hatred you No, know, there was a hatred of the king there was indifference I don't know if you've ever seen this when you, you share the gospel perhaps with a co I've done this when I was back in the corporate world I laid out he thinks about it and he says yeah that's very interesting it's all good but you know what it's a uh, it's of no consequence. Uh, I'm glad you believe that, but it has no bearing on anything. And so they dismiss it. Indifference. Indifference is actually a worse condition, because if, at least if you hate something, you take the time to, to it. examine what the proposal is, and you know that you're against it. Indifference to the king and to his servants. A long, long narrative of the Old Testament is the, the patience, the suffering of the servants of God as they as they made appeal, as they tried to reason, especially with the leaders and the kings of Israel. The kings were, were wayward, bent, and the prophets were sent to bring them back. Again, that's the parable of the wicked tenants. And what uh, did Israel do? by all these invitations, all throughout the years, over 1,500 years of prophetic history in the Old Testament, when the servants were seized, Uh, they were treated shamefully. A few of them were killed. This is now hatred. This is murder. This is contempt of the king's authority. Hatred of the king and his servants. Were these servants perfect? No. Was their message perfect? Yes. Yes, they were inspired servants. They had the gospel right in the Old Testament. They had the gospel right. They had the law right. They had repentance right. They had obedience right. They could discern the way to apply promises and law in the lives of the people. And so, therefore,
1: in this parable learn
0: that what's happened? What's happening now as Israel is wrestling with what to do with this man who has come to Jerusalem and upset everything in the temple, insisting on a teaching that flies in the face of the leading religious leaders, in the face of the high priest and his authority. Who is this guy? So the Jews, therefore, declined the gracious offer of the wedding feast all along. Nothing new. The Jews then, at this act of huge betrayal, says this parable, would suffer, and justly so, for the crimes against the king. You touch the king's son, you touch the king. And that's what this is being said to us. But Jews have been warned. Do no harm to my prophets. You know, we're very, very prone to assail a messenger. Bad news? Okay, that's bad news. I don't like, you know, knock out his kneecaps. I don't like this guy. He always says, this prophet always has some bad news for me. Says Ahab. Oh, surely not. Said Jehoshaphat. The Jews have been warned, do no harm. But they did harm. They continue to do harm. They did great harm. The king became justly angry at the <laughs> ingratitude and of the rebellion of the Jews. Okay, at this point, now they see plainly the message of God. They see plainly what holiness is. They see this is not ignorance anymore. This is this is looking at God and looking at your lips and looking at obedience and saying no. The king became justly angry, the ingratitude and rebellion of the Jew. And so what would the king do? Of course, he would destroy those murderers, burn their city. Uh, we were already looked at the uh, in the in the narrative concerning Jesus cursing the victory, what that meant. If, if you weren't here to we'll review that sermon, also. Again, in the parable of the wicked tenants. Same outcome. He's gonna, he's gonna take those servants, bind them hand and foot, cast them out, and uh, exalt his son, the cornerstone, the, the, the chief cornerstone that the, the Jews had had stumbled on and rejected. That one was to become the head, even though they would kill his son. So the Jews were first sort of invited. And we are seeing to hear that Jesus was not going to be at all surprised at that nation seizing him as they had done all the prophets and extirpating him. That's for the Jews. Now the second thing is that many people are invited to the wedding feast as Gentiles. Now the Jews were many, there were many, many Jews, millions of them in Jesus' day. But the Gentiles were many, many more. Many, many more. They're a disproportionate number, exponentially different. The Gentiles are later invited. Because, my friends, the Jews did not consider themselves worthy to attend Paul. Uh, uh, Paul makes this clear in his preaching to the various synagogues in the United Acts 13, verse 46. Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly. It was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you, the Jews, first. And since you thrust it aside, look at that violent hatred of the word of God. Since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves on really of eternal life. Wow, their consciences are spot on. Even their, even their own attestation, the Spirit is, is lighting the, the consciences and the hearts of those Jews who have received the gospel. gospel. And, and the, the Spirit knows that those reprobate Jews know that they're not worthy. And so it will stand at the last day. The word of God be spoken to you first, since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles, and at that expression, things would always explode. It's like a guy who has a girlfriend. He's ignoring her. He doesn't appreciate her. But the moment some guy makes a a motion to win her over, the guy gets jealous. But yeah, what's going on? That's what we have. That's the inexplicable Irrational. irrationality and reasonless and madness of an apostate mind. The king will yet honor his son. He has the resources, he has the authority, he has the power. All is still ready. All the food will not spoil. <laughs> the king's servants are again dispatched this time to all manner of roads, every which direction, and all peoples. I think of this parable as speaking, of course, about the Gentiles. All peoples, as the, as the previous parables had already ind- uh, indicated, all peoples are invited promiscuously. Yeah, this is a very handy word. That means freely and. When a well, man is promiscuous, he said be promiscuous because he doesn't seem to be able to, to make a choice, whether of a good partner or a bad partner, or a ugly one or a good one. Yeah, he's just he's licentious. he's just easy. But the gospel is easy. The gospel offer is easy. And the command goes out to invite as many as you find. Is that a man? Is that man of God? Didn't you fall in Adam? This gospel's yes. for him. That That's the one you should preach to. And he makes it plain that he means it's not the righteous. Jesus didn't come to save the righteous. He came, he came to save sinners. The good are invited, right? and the bad. The good. Not that they are truly good in essence, but these are would be the God fearers. These would be proselytes, perhaps, Gentile, converts to uh, Jewish religion, No, no. philosophers no. of approaching the life of God somehow the testimony of the Jew, of the pious Jew uh, in all the land, the good are to be invited, and the bad, the bad are to be invited. To the Jew, that once again, the unclean, uh, the leprous, the, the unright, wicked sinner, apostates are still in view uh, to be redeemed. Wicked people, people that have tried Christianity before and absolutely blasphemed the religion and made a wreck of their reputation. They have injured Christ, trampled the blood. They're worthy of, of utter contempt of hell. And yet, the wicked can be reclaimed under this gospel. And especially the Gentile, idolaters, murderers, polytheists, Ignoring the word of God's handiwork, given the same worship, sorcerers. Bam! There, buddy. The wedding hall then was filled because God perseveres with sinners. That's why the wedding hall was filled. Not that it was a small hall, it was a great hall, the great king. But the hall was filled. Because God perseveres with sinners, even the Gentiles, and He will have a full house. The well, last point sorry. I the sermon. I am not sure of this point. So let me just say that it could be, and it needs to, it, whatever is preached needs to be congruent and agreeing with the primary teaching. That saying that Jesus at the end of the parables says, many are called, and few are chosen. The first attempt the title for, for my third point was that many of those attending uh, will be found worthy to remain. But the accent, of course, is on that one that missed it. But we shouldn't gain, we should not make a theological doctrine that only one of many in that hall failed the requirement to bring in the wedding garments. In other words, I should not expect that it would be in the extreme, extreme minority that people who are already enlightened and have come and yielded somewhat to the wedding invitation. Extreme minority might be dismissed. I rejected that because it has to be with the main teaching of the parable, which is that many are called, few are chosen. And so I say, few of those that attend the feast will be found worthy to abide, to abide, to remain. Not just to spend the night, but to make it their home. To befriend the king as he befriends them. The king himself will inspect all who come to this feast. He will inspect the Jew first. His judgment begins in the house of God, and there that house sat in Jerusalem. That's why Jesus is purging, he's cleansing them. To so the Jew first, he will, he will inspect, and then the Gentile he will inspect. All nations, all peoples will be inspected by God. And the king will warmly receive all who come in proper attire. All who come dressed neatly for the purpose not to eat, my friends. <laughs> That's secondary. I hope no one gets the, uh, uh, the impression here that uh, Christianity uh, is proposing something uh, of a wine feast uh, with cornucopia of fruit dressing the tables and more wine. Uh, that's a baccalaureate. What is it called? A bac- what Bacchus Festival, whatever that's called. I've never been to one. The glory of this feast, of course, for proper dress is communion with God. is a mind. That is, that is can relate to the holy and the holy relate to the creature. There has to be a sympathy of some sort there has to be some kind of relating Creator to creature. The king will one receive those who are part one rest and what is that grace? It is nothing less than the perfect righteousness. And the infinite righteousness of God. Anything less than that is improper attire and not meat for the feast. You must have the holy and infinite righteousness of God, which we lost in our native creature, the native creature lost in Eden by Adam's sin, and has utterly ruined by subsequent sin and defilement. But that's what's required, perfect righteousness. And not only that, but perfect righteousness de- demonstrates the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And, and the demonstration of that is that the corruption is contained. That, that the corruption the corruption of the old man in his sinning ways can be stopped, can be stayed. And a new power, a a powerful resurrected life, Christ's life can be evinced even in a imperfect way in our sanctification. Our justification has us perfectly dressed before God in righteous robes. In our sanctification, we still have to wash our feet. And he who has received the word is already clean, but every day we, we confess our sins. We're not worthy yet as glorified creatures, but we demonstrate the fruit of the Holy Spirit and sanctification. Putting on the old man, Romans 13, put on the Lord Jesus Christ, that's a garment. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make all of it for the flesh to gratify its desire. That's what Paul means in Romans 13, 14. Again, Paul, Ephesians 4, verse 24, put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness, and holiness. those are the garments, okay? When you put on Christ, you are doing really what all the prophets of old and all the prophets of the New Testament have always been very, very consistent in teaching. 1 Peter 1,
1: verses 15 and 16.
0: But as He, that is to say, God, as God called you is holy, and you also be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. And that, my friends, is the distinction between a true Jew, a true Christian, one who is in heart circumcised to God, in heart sanctified with a beating heart to God, and one who merely claims the name in a covenant nation like the Jew, or in uh, in, in a church in an outward form, by mere attendance upon the preaching and the ordinances. The king Will ask, however, the king will violently thrust out, throw out every person, each person who comes improperly dressed. These are without excuse. So many messengers, so simple a message. These have not put off the old man. These have not put on Christ. Are you saying that? Are you saying that, that in the Old Testament people were put on Christ? Christ is the mediator of the covenant of grace in both covenants, by the both Old testaments. testaments. The covenant of grace is extensive from the first promise of Adam that the seed of the woman would overcome that seed of the serpent. And there's only one mediator, Christ. And there's, there's only one grace of redemption. redemption. It's Christ. And there's, there's only, only one Righteousness. The, God, the righteousness of God in Christ. But, but the, the Jews, Jews could not see it. Though no, it was pictured in all the ceremony and it was proclaimed very cleanly, very cleanly through all the the prophets. The yeah. proof of that is they hated and, and they killed the prophets. That's the proof that the gospel was so very, very brightly presented in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, we have the luminosity of the gospel turned up. We have the voltage. We have the wattage. Amped up because now, before us, is plainly displayed God's own righteousness and His free acceptance of sinners and pardon for sin upon faith, receiving the Savior. How much more, then, how much more guilty will be those who refuse this invitation today than this wretched nation? That refused their king, the Lord Jesus, rather than his parable, the king's son, and were indeed trampled by the boots of so many Romans and cast out into so many factions all over the world. There's not a nation in the world where we don't have a wanderer that is of the, the root of Jacob. These are without excuse. They have not put off the man, and they have not put on Christ. And these will be bound, and they will be cast to the outer darkness. I don't want. I, I, I don't want to preach hell. You spend time on that your own this, this afternoon. I don't want. I, I don't like to preach hell. But this is a warning in the midst of the most beautiful, warm gospel invitation you could ever. Can, can you do look? Try. Hold on a minute. You know, we've got a birthday coming up for a 75-year-old. You, you think her invitation is one to us? A lot of people are coming, you know, it's great. And have music, feasting, great. But it, it doesn't is. hold a candle to this. And your people will come, but you can't. But they won't eat, they, they won't eat Christ. Christ. They won't put the on the Christ. They won't put off. They're dead dead and dead. Defile old man, which they must do.
1: My friends, but hypocrites in God's
0: church—hypocrites in God's church are self-pity. But they will be found out. Their conscience is already Acts thirteen. Their conscience is already are indicted, and they know it. They will be found out. God will judge false sons. He will cast them, and their... Their downfall will be enormous. It's one thing to fall from out of a tree. we have had children here fall out of that live oak tree. It's about 10 feet, I guess. And they hurt their head and we went to the hospital. We thank God that it was gracious to, to recover that 10-foot fall from that tree. This fall from heaven to hell is a free fall. And it will be enormous. Those who had all their lives thought that they were and despised wicked people. Oh, they denounced so many charlatans and politics. You don't know how it goes. For those are grenade law, for someone evil than you more evil than you. But this hypocrite will fall from the highest place, from the very from the very smelling of the feast, from the smelling you know what champagne smells like oh, when it bubbles up in a, a good champagne fluted glass. You could just taste it. You could almost taste it. But no. He will be cast, bound, and heaved into the lowest place. And That's all I'm going to say about this. That's a threat. It's not a lame threat. It's here to make sure you examine yourself to see if you are in the Lord. And if you don't like subjective exercises like that, I need to talk to you. Because the commandments of God are spiritual and they reach the inner heart and if you ignore your inner man, your inner affections, your inner emotions of thought, your impulses, if you ignore them, the inner life as you examine yourself, you do yourself a great disservice. This threat is here No, not that the preacher can, you know, levy a heavy on the congregation with guilt, but that you make sure that upon smelling the champagne, you do taste, and that is Christ. Let not the aroma alone in the church be sufficient, but make sure that you're really eating and drinking Christ
1: in this sermon
0: and at the table when presented. Let me conclude this sermon. God calls many, both Jews and Gentiles, to enjoy the kingdom of His Son, Jesus Christ. Many are called to this kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, but few are chosen. Few will abide in it, and those who remain do so, because they wear the proper attire, holding garments. The they wear Christ. And that, my friends, is most compatible attire for the kingdom of heaven, my friends, you know you're privilege. Not every person in the world has heard the gospel. The servants of God have been all over the place, but some people are yet not reached. It's a great mercy that you have sat here uh, for a little over an hour and nine minutes now, and then and you have been able to hear the gospel. Thank God every day when you hear. A clean gospel where God is shown to be glorified. God the Father is glorified and presenting it to you, His Son, as and your King, as your priest, dying on your behalf. And now dying is the Lamb, but as the priest offering his own, his own self as a sacrifice and as his prophet, giving you by the mouth of his servants both gospel and law. Law and gospel—that's the, gospel. Gospel. That's the, the Bible. Be thankful every time you leave this church. If you gain nothing else, I already know that. Uh, why do I have to say? Thank the Lord that the gospel God, yet God, abides God. in this person. Yeah, I mean, in this in this sanctuary uh, you've heard it, because many people have not. But you—you must you avail. You must, must receive. You, you, you must apply. apply. By the help of the Spirit. You, I'm saying, you must apply with the help that God gives in the Spirit to apply Christ and putting off the old man and putting on the new. So believe the gospel. Re- receive Christ. Repent as the gospel is adorned always by law. Condemn the sin. Shun that which God condemns. Walk in the newness of life. Enter the banquet hall and abide, abide there with God. This kingdom then, my friends, is the only one that will last. There are some really beautiful places here in Houston. I know a lot of people don't think Houston is a very beautiful place. I think there's some very beautiful neighborhoods and beautiful architecture. And people live and they come here and they, they they want to avail this place. They want to live it well. But my friends, Houston will not last. Texas will, Texas will not last, not in, at least not in this world. As good as it is to be in America, this country is not going to endure your in this present form that, that I can see. This is the only kingdom that will last. All else will be wrapped up under the, the, the kingdom of the beloved Son of God. He will be the only potentate. At least uh, everyone will be reporting to him in the new structure, cities, whatever. This kingdom alone lasts. All other kingdoms, all other nations will fade away. Are you spending your life then with only the horizon of this life? Fame and enjoying all the good things, all the farms, all, all the businesses. And it's great, my friends, to pour over macroeconomics. It's great to, to study medicine and art and music but these are these are just child's play compared to what the Lord is offering you in himself God is the goodness of music God is the goodness of macroeconomics God is the truth of science and so Come and partake. Don't be foolish. Don't think that this is a ruse. Oh yeah, there are ruses, but make sure you understand that this one is not a ruse. This is not a big switch. God sincerely offers you his kingdom. And how will you pass the king's inspection? Write that down. If you can give me a clean answer, I, I would be most happy happy, happy to hear each one of you say not of my own, not my works or of your own righteousness. Your works, your righteousness in Christ. I have no other plea. All my righteous acts are filthy garments. Are you putting to death then the, the misdeeds of the body? Is, the body is, that, is, that, is that what you do every day? Are you actively able to say okay, this temptation came to me. I... I, I Somewhat failed in it. I didn't recover, but I recovered. But now another temptation comes in. Now I thwarted that temptation and I, I sensed the devil fleeing that time. Have you ever had kind of that kind of victory? It, it should be every day. day. I, if, if you're urging this devil, out every hour every minute you awake. Are you putting to death the misdeeds of the body in your thoughts, in your words, in your actions? in your body motions walking in the spirit or are you still in ridiculous ridiculous inappropriate attire for this wedding do you really want to come to this wedding in Adidas sneakers and Spandex do you is that what you want you need to get rid of that filthy garment you need to be dressed properly you need to be given freedom, clean garments, white garments, beautiful garments, and you will really, be when you rely on Christ and Christ alone. True faith. Now I leave you then and commend you to His Holy Spirit, who is able and willing to make all these things plain to you, and let these let this parable sink into your ears. For many are called. Not all are called, but many are. But few are chosen. Let's pray. Lord, it's up to you, Lord, now to do the work that you promised in this parable. And Lord, so, by all means, grant us Christ as our garments. And we will be most pleased To praise you, to believe and rest in you and walk.